Cinematrimony. I'm here as always with my lovely and talented co-host and wife, Francesca Scalisi. Thank you for joining me, dear. Who are you, sir? I'm Matt Scalisi, the guy that you see on FilmNerds.com whenever you are there, usually. And um, Hello, big head. I don't know. Look, we have we have good contributors, though. I'm just saying. I'm around good a lot. Good contributors. We have excellent. very we have excellent contributors. Uh, who also happen to comprise the vast majority of the audience of this show. That's true. But uh, However, comma, we have a new listener. Do we? Uh, one Citizen Craig. That's right. But Craig, also, we love them. Craig Hamilton. Uh, please check out his blog. He's a, he's a new uh, contributor at FilmNerds.com. We should give him a little shout-out early on here and uh, tell you that you need to check out his blog which I believe is Citizen Craig at blogspot.com. Although, if it's not, I, I will I will drop a link to Craig's blog in the uh, in the post for this podcast. So, look out for that. Anyways, um, again, flattery gets you everywhere. Yeah, listeners. We, we we know we know how to take care of people who promote take us. care of us. That's right. So, bridesmaids. That's the subject for today's show. Um, probably the first new movie that either one of us has seen in quite a long time, Francesca. I'll tell you why, Matt Scalise. Why? It's a double whammy of moving, and as a result, poverty. And also having a child and... Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... The, the, the matrimony thing, if this is supposed to be about a married couple, you know, watching movies together, it's, it's true to life because we, we don't get to as many as we used to anymore. No, that's true. The DVD season, you know, is, is ramping up. So, um, anyways, let's talk about the movie at hand today. Bridesmaids uh, been a, been very successful so far. It's um, it's the uh, you know probably been been marketed. I guess the the way that they sort of chose to make this the you know make this thing stand out, make it different, is that it's the uh, you know I've been he- I've heard it called the female hangover. Uh, which I don't really think is very accurate. That's a really crude description of the movie. Um, you know, other than to say that there are a lot of antics and that it's outrageous. Um, I don't really think this has a ton in common with that movie. With with that movie, mostly because this is a movie that I think takes itself a lot more seriously than The Hangover did. Yeah, it does. Well, and it's. I would say if you're going to compare it to something. I think it would be more in the vein of like Knocked Up or you know the Judd Apatow movies. I that agree are, with that. Yeah, that are they're funny, but also you know have real moments of truth in them as well. You know, like human emotions at play and whatnot. I mean, Hangover is definitely like a solidly funny movie, but it's like strict comedy. And this is you know a very very. Um, I mean, obviously there are moments that are not realistic, but. The, the core theme of the movie, the friendship between the two women, is certainly played in great realism. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it, it's sort of about a friendship, but to me, really, Maya Rudolph is a very, very secondary character for the most part here. And I think this is just sort of a movie about Kristen Wiig, and her character, rather. And, you know, it's kind of a... Um, 
it's kind of dark at times and pathetic and you know she sort of reminds me a little bit of the character that you sort of see Ben Stiller playing in a lot of his more straightforward comedies which is just that how many bad things can we have happen to this person mm-hmm. and you know if it's a likable enough actor um that that we we're along for the ride and we're sympathetic and you know we we want you know we continue rooting for them even though they're so pitiful and and everything's going wrong for them um and i really think i mean i don't know that Kristen wig has ever had anything remotely close to a role like this in the movies she, most of what we've seen from her so far are very small bit parts and actually you and i just watched this morning what would probably have to be her biggest role before this in a movie which was whip it Mm-hmm. And that, she was pretty minor in that It's action. pretty minor, but she got to do a lot more in Whip It than she did in, say, Adventureland or, um, you know, I, actually, we haven't seen Paul, and she may have a fairly prominent role in that, so. Um, but, I mean, how, how do you, do, do you think that she's, first of all, let me ask you, as a as an atypical female audience member, mm-hmm. what do you think of her as a, as a female lead in the movie well i had to uh i went into this movie needing some convincing because while i definitely find her funny i kind of was getting to where i was feeling like she was a little bit of a one-trick pony in terms of her comedy um you know you just kind of feel like in terms of snl and bit parts that she's done like you've kind of seen it before so i was very happy to uh very quickly buy into her character and Believability, and I think kind of what went a long way to that is sort of the first scene with her and Maya Rudolph when they're like, work, you know, going to boot camp, quote unquote, and then they have their like scene in the uh, in the restaurant after that. That just all felt very authentic to me because girls, you know, girls are funny when they're with each other, and it's not like it's not uh, you know, what's her face, Kate it's Hudson, not Kate funny. Hudson. That's <laughs> exactly like, who I was thinking of. Well, yeah. because she has become the typical like, terribly written by committee... Sing into a hairbrush. ...female. Yeah. That, that's not how girls... Like, I am definitely way more likely to sit in a restaurant and, like, for my friend's amusement, like, smear stuff on my teeth... Right. ...and, like, be goofing off with each other than I am to be anything like what you see in a romantic comedy. And so I, that, to me, sort of, right off the bat, sort of made me go, okay, I, I'm, I'm in. I like this character. I like the way she's playing this character... You know, because the other thing you kind of see is girls, if girls are, you know, funny in a comedy, they're, like, wacky off-the-wall antics, like, mm-hmm. that are still, like, every boy in the room, look at me because I'm still being adorable. And this was, like, they were just doing it to amuse each other, which is, again, how girls actually act. They're not, you know, being, like, sorry, Anna Ferris, but they're not being Anna Ferris, like, adorable, stupid as comedy, you know. Most women are not trying to draw attention to themselves at all times, as as many crappy romantic comedies would have you believe. Right. Well, I think this is kind of overall just a female comedy showcase, you know, because there's so many. But it's uh, annoying that you even have to put the... that qualifier. Like, it's just, it's a comedy. Like, why but look, does it let's have not, to be like... Let's not pretend that that's not the case, though. Comedy is a male-dominated field. And especially film comedy. I mean, they make film comedies for men for the vast majority of the time. I mean, serious film comedies, obviously. And you, like you said, serious there's, film comedies. But they're even saying well because there's a look. There's there's a critically appreciated, not maybe not critically, but let's say. I mean, the comedies that 
that become sort of culturally significant and iconic and that everybody pays attention to, those are male-dominated movies. Even Anchorman, let's talk about. I mean, that's that's one off the top of my head from the last ten years that gets quoted all the time and that is clearly was an influential comedy. There was a major female character in it, and part of the storyline was that they were chauvinists, and it was still a male-dominated comedy. So that's right. just kind of the way it works. And um, I'd love to have uh, our, our good friend Jason Roach on here at some point, who is a, a stand-up comedian, and have, I, I like to talk to him about just kind of what he thinks. And we'll probably we'll probably discuss that with him uh, in a. He's doing a Back to the Movies podcast with us coming up, but um, I mean this. Yeah, that's right, synergy. Mm-hmm. So this is like synergy, syn- right? Synergy. Wow, nice. Thank you. So. I mean, but but I, I think I don't think it's a gimmick to say this is a female-driven comedy, um, I, but I think it is something that you don't see a lot of, and I think it doesn't feel gimmicky ever because other than other than maybe, um, and I'm and I'm gonna have a, a tough time with the with the actress's name, but the the she's from Reno 911 and she plays the older blonde woman with kids. Yeah. I felt like her character was a little gimmicky, and other than that, I thought they were all at least at at, at various moments they were all great. And um, I still thought she was funny. Though. I thought she was funny. I just thought that was more of a stock. Well, basically, character. she was there to be a counterpoint to uh, Ellie, whatever her name is. Right from from the office. Yeah, you know, Ellie Kemper. You needed the two of them to play off of each other. But Ellie Kemper was very funny. I thought Ellie Kemper had some really funny. Mo- I, I mean, know, but she needed somebody to be yeah. shocking, and you know, the older, yes. more experienced. But, well, you know, both of them. They're clearly. I mean, really, their only really standout scene in the movie is on the airplane where everybody. That, I mean, the whole airplane awesome. stuff is just. I mean, you could cut that part out and, and isolate that and I would say that's one of the funniest just chunks of a movie that yeah. I have seen in a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean I think I think where the comedy comes from in this, which rarely happens with women, is that they're actually looking at, you know, character traits. They're creating characters so that within the reality of the character they can do funny things versus like you know, the abominable sex in the city, which is just the comedy is that these women are saying shocking things. That's not funny. What's funny is, you know, Melissa McCarthy's character who is just like this, isn't that her name? Suki. The only Suki that matters, not Suki Sackhouse, you, you pathetic people who watch that garbage <laughs> porn. I'm talking about Suki from Gilmore Girls, the best part of yeah, Gilmore Mel- Girls. Yeah, Melissa McCarthy is who you're yeah. thinking of. Like that, she was hilarious because she created and they, you know, wrote for her, but then she also took it the extra mile and made this just hilarious character who was funny because everything she said was funny. It wasn't, it wasn't because she was saying something shocking. It was like that she just fully embodied this character who's like, yeah, it did hurt like hell. You're right. Well, yeah, she's just, yeah, she stuck with it and it was not, um, it was not about, the writing necessarily, and then the beautiful thing is too that she had a, she had actually a very nice emotional and still funny but like you know sincere moment where even she wasn't just a caricature even though she was kind of more probably you know one of the broadest you know you know played for laugh characters but then she got to have kind of a very crucial and key moment with right. Kristen Wiig's character sure. that was still funny 
but like kind of got to the heart of the matter yeah. actually she got to have this like great emotional payoff yeah i really think uh i really think like you said you know most of the time when you get a female character in a comedy or i mean even if we're talking about romantic comedies what's funny is uh it's all just sort of like the the, the women have to maintain their dignity um or else it's not um I guess they feel like the audience will be uncomfortable or that other girls won't respect that character because she stopped being uh, perfect for a minute. And there's a there's a great – I may link to this too. But somebody sent me last week uh, a YouTube link to this cut-together sort of edited thing um, called Women Be Fallen Down in Romantic Comedies, which is mm-hmm. basically and – it, and it's a, basically what they're showing you is that every sort of – run-of-the-mill romantic comedy always features the main girl falling down at some point. Because that's, that's hilarious. But that's as wacky as they'll let them get. That's as undignified as you're allowed to be as a female character in a romantic comedy. Right. It's falling down, which, of course, is not embarrassing or, at all or, or undignified. I mean, even though I didn't like the, this particular scene and that I thought it was I thought it was too much, I thought it was over the top, but the scene where everybody's got food poisoning... I, I mean, you would never see that in a romantic comedy. You'd never see anything close to that, and it's it's just uh, I you wouldn't you wouldn't really see it in many male driven comedies either. Um, it's so over the top, and like I said, it was too much for me. But I appreciate that they went there. Well, that they because I mean it just shows you this movie was not afraid of making their their women look undignified and ridiculous. Well, that's, I mean, that's my primary problem. You know, you and I have had this discussion so many times about how, you know, all these A-list females, or maybe B-list female actresses, but the stars, I don't like most of them, and it's because you always get the sense that they are, like, thinking about, how do I look in this scene? Yeah. And you didn't get any of that from any of these women, and that's why they were so beautifully cast, other than... You know, Rose Byrne, but she was supposed no, to be, and, and you know, I want to that talk was about supposed to be her character well, was that she was constantly aware of how she looked and how she was perceived. But, you know, that's kind of my issue with women in Hollywood and why I like people like Kate Winslet and, you know, Frances McDormand and why they stand out so much is because they're the women who are actually acting and not like, you know, holding a mirror up to themselves and going like, but do I look cute? There's and why none I hate of- people like Scarlett Johansson who you feel like is posing every moment she is on film. I think you maybe one way of saying it was that when Kate Winslet is performing, if let's just use those examples you gave, that there's not very much Kate Winslet still there. And when Scarlett Johansson is performing, you can feel that she still knows she's Scarlett Johansson because she's trying to impress people as Scarlett Johansson. Right. And so but I want to talk about Rose Byrne because I honestly think She's not getting enough credit for this movie. Melissa oh, no, McCarthy. I think she is getting. Melissa McCarthy deserves a lot of praise for this, and so does Kristen Wiig. But Rose Byrne, to me, has some of the best comic timing in this movie. And like, it was fun watching this movie with the audience we got because I think we were with a very mainstream and mixed audience. We had old and young. We had, uh, you know, black and white, and and. A little bit of everybody in that in that room with and us. And people who went, aww, We had times. people who said, aww, when there were cute things It was a happening. studio audience, basically. Yeah. That's what we had. But that's great. I like that. And and so, to me, um, what I liked was that 
there are broad laughs in this movie, and there are also kind of like it's almost like in in music, you know, you have like that the 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 uncool people will clap on like you know, oh, you're such a nerd. on like two and four or whatever, and then there are other jokes though on one and three. You know, it's like there are, there are sort of these these jokes in between the jokes that I felt like most of our audience didn't really get or laugh at, but they but I really appreciated them and and they were they were there for a different audience. So to me, it kind of works on on a couple of different levels. And Rose Byrne had a lot of those offbeat jokes and it, and it comes from just her saying things under her breath and just the way she the way she would look at people and the well, way she would say she things everything she did was condescending like she just was you know absolutely even if she's saying something nice to you there's always a drip of condescension yeah she was basically she was Rachel McAdams in Mean Girl like that's what yeah, she was yeah but she was a muted version of that which but it, but kind of a but like a grown was, up version it was like if, if Rachel McAdams 20 years or you know 10 15 years later after that like you know and she you know everything with her was posturing which was the character right. you know that she's saying all these perfect things but just kind of she managed to convey through a look that she really did not think you were as good as her and i loved there was one to everyone there's one that's jumping out to me when she was on the plane and uh and she says she's giving Kristen wig the um the drugs or whatever whatever she was taking and she says you know they um if you just take it with a little bit of alcohol, it'll start to work in no time. She says it, it, it does it to me, and I'm a lot smaller than you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Which it works I just, for me, and I'm just a lot smaller than you. Right? So. Yeah. It wasn't even. But that's the thing. She didn't even play it like that. It's just that. I mean, really. No, she didn't say it. She didn't emphasize it, but it was there. You know, yeah. it's in. It's like inherent in everything she says. Yeah. That's that she is better than. And she's been. This is the second time that she, that she's been that I can think of that she's been in a, a straight comedy. And kind of had some scene stealing moments, which because she was also in um, Get Him to the Greek and had kind of this outrageous mm-hmm. part. I think a part. She's the she's the girlfriend. Well, and you know it was kind of one of the other like moments that you and I kind of nudged each other and laughed, and like I don't think anybody else noticed was that in the scene where they're uh, at the engagement party and they're kind of like trying to top each other with their speeches. Oh, and then uh, Cla- by the way, classic. Scene. I, I think that, that one so could funny. go down as that. That's one of those that people are going to walk away from this movie remembering because it's so they they stretch it out as far as they could possibly do it. Well, and you know, so it, it finally ends with Kristen Wiig start singing. Uh, that's what friends are for, right? Is that what song <laughs> it is? And and of course that is not enough because of course Rose Byrne's character has to then jump up and start singing with her. And they diva and, off, yeah. And yeah, and they have a little diva off and kind of the last shot of that scene is the two of them standing there both holding microphones and Kristen Wiig looks just totally like flummoxed and then they show and, and Rose, Rose Byrne is like is smiling and posing like oh. at the end of her American Idol audition. It was like, perfect. She's looking right over there. her shoulder and smiling. That like, got a big laugh mic. actually. That look of her of her right in that shot it got a big laugh. I don't know. I don't know if people caught that. I, I, it was really yeah. quick. It was just people were already laughing because it had just. Yeah. It was like one of those things where it was like you couldn't believe it was still going on. Right. No, that that and that scene killed. As did the airplane, the airplane stuff. Which I think the airplane stuff is mostly. Um, it, it was Kristen Wiig got to do her her Saturday Night Live stuff there. You know, she got to trot it out. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah. 
It yeah. was all funny though. The whole thing about the air marshal was so funny. The air marshal stuff but was then great. But you knew that was coming. You knew, you knew he was going to stand when up. He's yeah. there as her date with right. all the puppies. Like it's just great. Yeah. Just so great. Even though I knew he was going to stand up and be the air marshal at some point, it was still funny It was to funny me. because he kept, they sold it and sold it and right. sold it. And it was such a long scene that when he finally did, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe he really yeah. was. Even though I knew that was the punchline, like, you still couldn't believe it because right. they made you really work for it. It was so funny. There's yeah, There was a couple of things, yeah, and, and just just so that we're like, balance this out. The, the, the couple of things, I already mentioned the, the, the horrific bathroom scene which, which i thought was funny man you just couldn't handle no, girls it, look, pooping. it is funny but it is so extreme it's so over the top it's uh, not you I, never you never see i wouldn't want to no moments, i so. wouldn't want to watch it again i'll say that oh come on but um, You're such a boy <laughs> girls pooped that's Hello, not girl, the, that's pooping. not the problem that's not the problem but um the the other thing is that i think is almost too grotesque for me the 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 roommates Matt Matt Lucas, who's a, a kind of a British comedian who plays her roommate, and his sister, who I'm not I'm not able to find uh, her was, name on here. It it's not him. Drag. It's not in him and drag. And oh, and I hope that that poor Rebel woman, Wilson. her name is Rebel Wilson. I hope she doesn't listen. I'm sorry that I thought you were manager. Yes. it's just you guys looked a lot alike. But it's there. I mean, that stuff is funny, but it's it's t- it's funny in a very weird way. It's not an obvious bad roommate character. It's kind of like almost disturbing in a way and just kind of gross and the, well um, it was just supposed to exhibit the, how the one thing bottom her life was yeah and the one the one thing though that they did that really did make me laugh is when she told she tells the girl to put frozen peas on her <laughs> tattoo and the girl dumps frozen peas all over herself well, they made that shot be like 20 minutes long it like was every, really good. you saw every pea coming out yeah, of the package right it um, was very funny i i want to talk about Let's talk about the romance. Yeah, I want to talk about the romantic storyline, and and just so I can remember, um, oh gosh, well, Chris O'Dowd Rhodes was his name. Well, his first name was Nathan, I think, but Chris O'Dowd is his name, right? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. So, um, and you and I have uh, are more familiar with him than probably ninety nine percent. That's not true. A lot of people watch the IT crowd. I don't think that's very. I don't think that's as big a deal over here as you think it is. But he, yeah, he was the star but of these a. These are nerds we're talking he's to. He's the star of a of a uh, highly respected British sitcom, which is either called the It Crowd or the IT Crowd, and we have never confirmed with a true Brit it's, how it's I think it how is it's pronounced. Because it, whenever we listen to, I just said IT. Yeah, but I think. On the Ricky Gervais podcast, when they were they when say they used it's to plug the it, crowd? I think it's the it crowd. Okay, well, it's uh, and and he's a, you know, he's sort of a, it, it's a, it's an old school sitcom, uh, so he's a little bit broad on that show, and he really gets to do some real acting in this movie, even though he is also funny here, uh, and I think he's, I think he's tremendously likable, and sort yeah. of who he reminded me of, he's almost, he's he's sort of. Um, He's sort of John C. Riley-ish, you know, but yeah. but young, but plays younger than that. Well, but see, the thing is, he's not pathetic, and John C. Riley usually plays pathetic. Yeah, but I'll tell you what I liked the best about this. You think and Chris O'Dowd is is more is is he a handsomer man than John C. Riley? Uh, yeah. Okay. And he's Irish. Well, yeah. that's why I'm, that's why I have you on the podcast to tell me. <sighs> All right, please. But what, the nice thing about this was, in addition to being kind of. Uh, it wasn't the focus of a movie, which lesser movies would make it the focus of she's trying to get a man. It was really his place, and it was to help her kind of define her problems. And that was something that was bold, actually, even though it was subtle, was that at the end of the day, 
the problems she had with the guy were her fault. Mm-hmm. And it was pointed out to her, this is your fault. Like, right. he's really nice and you're being a jerk. And, like, most romantic comedies, wouldn't, it would be the guy had been a jerk and she takes him back. And it was, she kind of had to be the one who came crawling back. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, was because she had been severely damaged by the hilarious John Hamm turn. Yeah. He is so funny. I just I, You know him. what? I, w- I felt like you and I were the only ones laughing at John Hamm's Well, stuff he's so handsome. You because can't believe he's, he's funny, but he is people. I think most people just thought he was terrible. I, I, not not like his acting wasn't good, but just I think most people were so appalled at that character because yeah. he's such an incredible douche. Well, because the thing he keeps on saying is like, he's like, well, you know, we agree. Like, you don't, you don't really want this to be, you know, right. like more than just, you know... F buddies. Well, his first like, big. Oh yeah. yeah, okay. And she's so pathetic. Right. You know, she totally goes along with well, it. Well, his first big line uh, that I remember laughing at in the movies when he's when he's uh, you know when he says something like, "Oh, this is really awkward. I'm trying to figure out how to ask you to leave." No, he's like, "I really want you to leave, but I don't know how to say it." Right. Or something. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, okay." Right. <laughs> Just no tact at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's a it's a particular brand of terrible. Now, of course, the grandma and me could have done without us starting with a raucous sex scene, but all things considered, you couldn't see anything. It's just cheeky. It's not. Like, that's not over the that. top. Was this, if this is a little over the top. If this movie is rated R, it's only because of language. It is rated R, but because there's the c word in it at, at, at least one moment. But a triumphant moment. Yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah, but the um, yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought. Overall, they're the the best parts of this movie to me. The parts where I was enjoying myself the most uh, were almost always where it was Kristen Wiig versus Rose Byrne. And you know, even though I've really liked Kristen Wiig and her storyline, and I I felt sympathetic for her, but she, you know, she's kind of pitiable at times. And it's not it, those scenes are less fun and they're more you know reflective and. And interesting, and I think the the comedy in this movie all comes from. If you want to sum up the comedy in kind of one line, it's it's uh, competition. It's old, yeah. It's it's basically old best friend versus new best friend. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to go ahead and paint with a broader stroke here and say it was really just the the comedy was when it was all the bridesmaids together because another like subtle thing that they sort of picked up on, but that's very true to life, is that, a, you know, one bride's group of friends who she chooses to be her bridesmaid are very often, you know... A kind weird of bunch. A weird bunch yeah. of people that you suddenly, for, you know, six months, eight months, a year, have to do things with. And they're not people who you would particularly be friends with. And so, like, the scene before the gross-out scene, when they're in that restaurant, like... That just rang so true, and it wasn't even that it was funny. It was just I was like, yeah, that's totally true. That's what ends was up happening yeah. when you know she goes to the bathroom, and you know Kristen Wiig's like, I think what I'd like to do is like a Parisian theme, and they're all like, oh yeah, that would be great, that would be so nice. And then mm-hmm. as soon as Rose Byrne starts to you know descend it all, then it all becomes they've all got their ideas, but right. like you know that that kind of like quiet politeness of people who don't know each other very right. well, like that was like there's something she's clearly been in weddings because that is really. It's just this kind of like simmering awkwardness, and yeah. like you all, you really don't have anything in common. So then you know, if you can make a connection with people, it's based on like how different we are, you know. Right. Like there, it was. There's just a lot of things that very much ring true to the female experience. Well, and well, actually, one of the things that Ebert, I think, it was I think it was Ebert, but somebody pointed out 
uh, one of the big critics pointed out that that when you think about the rivalry going on between Kristen Kristen Wiig and Rose Byrne in this movie, that it's sort of it's sort of this class warfare thing because it's brought up a lot how Kristen Wiig doesn't have any money and that that's basically what ends up happening here. The reason that Rose Byrne everything's going her way and that she gets to win all the time is because she has money and Kristen Wiig doesn't. And and um, again, I wish I could remember who brought who which critic I was reading that brought this up a lot, but saying that 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 is actually a very um, typical female conflict. Uh, to, to that that sort of for women to advance in the world and and socially advance among sort of each other that that oh, money yeah, comes that into like, that money, money plays can't into buy you it love, but it sort of it definitely like puts you at an advantage or something right and it's and it's that's just, that's something that I don't think you would really see as much in a male driven comedy well, to have this focused standard. on the rich guy versus the uh, versus the guy who doesn't have. You know, as much money or the well, or, or your standard romantic comedy is rich people and rich people being rich and fabulous and like right. you know, I mean that's people like forget that weddings are really expensive and as right. people who have you know maybe two pennies to rub together, like we kind of groan when we get you know wedding or shower invitations. Yeah. it's like oh my god, like this is another you know. It ends up being, you know, $150, $200 a month it, of buying gifts for people. And isn't and it actually people, said... But we don't have any money. Yeah. Isn't it said at a certain point that Maya my, my Rudolph says something like, that basically Rose Byrne planned a wedding that Maya Rudolph's dad couldn't even afford. Like, he, yeah. was, he was going bankrupt because of the wedding. Yeah. And by the way, Maya Rudolph's dad uh, in this movie played by... Uh, I don't have <clears throat> the actor's name, but he played... He, Deadwood fans... Will know him as the uh, the N word general, who is uh, a a a fan favorite on Deadwood. And so that, this is the first thing I've ever seen him in, other than Deadwood. Well, and that's the beautiful thing too. You have to feel like Kristen Wiig and her co-writer, whose name I don't remember, Annie something. I think no, is it Annie? Yeah, Annie Mumolo is the is the co-writer's name. Oh, so I wonder if the main character is supposed to be based on her, but um. You you definitely like this was clearly a very well cast movie. Mm-hmm. Like Chris O'Dowd would not get cast in anything else as your romantic because he's Irish. He's Irish and he's they, they he's have like, to explain it with one line and I'm glad they did it, but they don't really go into it other than that. Well, they we mean that he like that it's a joke. No, they say one line that explaining the fact that yes, we're acknowledging that he's Irish, and then they don't really bring it up again. Yeah, but you know, well, not even that. He's just like clearly, you know. Comedians would know who he is, and mm-hmm. he and he is delightful and charming, and you know, written in such a sweet and you know, lovely way that of course you you love him. But like, you know, again, a Kate Hudson movie would not be Chris O'Dowd would not be your male lead. No, it would be, and you know, it would be John Hamm. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it would, and you know, they although would, let's they give never, John Hamm credit because. For, for being a guy that looks like he does, John Hamm could have that career right now. And instead, he has chosen to go, and in, with his movie career, he has chosen to largely go and do uh, characters like he is in this movie. Sort of over the top. Uh, I, I, know, I haven't seen The Town, but he's he's doing interesting, no, weird in town, stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but you know, like stuff like this. The, we have to at least credit John Hamm to say he's, oh, he's not one listen, of that crowd. I am not discrediting John Hamm yeah. at all. I'm just saying the John Hamm looks would be who won the day. Yeah, it would be Bradley and Cooper. Let's say that. I don't 
Bradley What's your Bradley Cooper theory? He's like Adrian Brody, that like he was probably a weird dude in high school and like he's just got panache and style now and so he's cute. Yeah, one other thing that I uh I want to bring up is just the the idea that Kristen Wiig's character uh, is sort of refusing to go and get back into this business she was in and that's again that's kind of one of those things they leave hanging out there and I like that they don't wrap everything up for us and explain it out loud to us all the time but um what was your what was your read on why was she so against talking about what she used to do the 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 cake you know the baking stuff well I, I'll tell you what as um as a failed actress ha 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 I was never a successful one, but as someone who no, used you to were do good. that, there was a brief, you know, that when when your dream doesn't work out, for a while you, like, resent it. You don't, you know, right. you don't even want to touch it. You were so hurt by it that it failed you that then it's like, you know, I can't even think of going back into that world because it's just hurt me too bad. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, so I think it being her losing, you know, tons of money and you know, putting her heart and soul into this passion of hers and then it just didn't work out. Like, it's just a painful and scary thing to think about, you know, throwing yourself back into that thing that was your passion. Right. You know, knowing how it can hurt you so to be dramatic about it. But, I mean, I think that's I think that's where it's coming from and that's probably something that, you know, any kind of artist can kind of appreciate that, you know, at some point you may, you know, kind of reject your art because it's rejected you sort of element and you know she kind of and they and they make the point too that her character is is choosing to not get out of you know the situation she's in like to some extent you know that's like a depression thing that you know right if you, if you don't like your situation we'll change it and a lot of people get in the mindset of like i can't change it and you know there's always something you can do but it's it's very easy to just fall into everything is against me Nothing's going right, so there's nothing I can do about it. My life just sucks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and she kind of sort of... The turning point for her character is kind of when she accepts that she's living with her mom. And, like, she does start cooking again because that is the thing she loves to do. And she uses that sort of as a, as a you know, as a tool to get her back together with the guy. It doesn't work in that instance, but eventually, you know... He, it obviously had some effect on him. And he was, like, touched by the fact that she had... He at least acknowledged that she had made a cake for him. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. But uh, that is actually another, you know, subtle but authentic, you know, aspect of the film. That I think they touched on something real there. Yeah. That if, you know, you, you that's sort of, she can blame baking for everything bad that's happened in her, right, in right. her life, you know. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I, I guess it's sort of, at this point, officially Paul Feig or Feig. I don't know how you say that. That's I that's before a E or what is it? It's E I. E I. Well, if it's German, then it would be Feig. Paul Feig. He probably goes by Feig. But officially, if you didn't already, he's a guy. He's a name to watch out for. He was a, one of the co-creators. Watch out for. You make it sound like he's like a new kid on the block. No, he but ain't. in in the movie world, he is. But he was he was a co-creator of Freaks and Geeks, and he worked on Arrested Development, and um, and he's done a lot of work on The Office. Actually, I think he was maybe the the showrunner on The Office for quite a few years, which that, that could no, be a plus or a, minus. I don't think he was a showrunner. I think he was. I think he was executive producer for, for a while. Um, but this is really his first full-on theatrically released movie other than he, he did... Uh, unaccompanied He minors. did Unaccompanied <laughs> Minors. But, you know, that obviously that's paying to dues, apparently. But 
But I mean, he's a he's a guy that no, actually wasn't that based on like a true story. Unaccompanied minors. I think it was the movie about um, minors that had no one with them. No, I know. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but I think it I think it was supposed to be based on like some with kids Wilmer got Valderrama. I think some kids got stranded at a uh, thing, and a, I don't know. We'd have to look that up, maybe. Got chops. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, he. I, I thought I thought this is a. This is, um, I mean, this is a legit comedy sort of phenomenon he's got going for him at this point. It was a, it was a big opening weekend for a, for a comedy, for an R-rated comedy without, um, you know, I think it's safe to say there are not a lot of big movie stars in this movie. Uh, Kristen Wiig, as far as movie people go, is a newcomer on the block. So I would like to say real quick. Maya Rudolph is, like, really becoming one of my favorite female actresses. Because she does have that yeah. kind of, like, salt-of-the-earth Kate Winslet quality. Like, there's just something very authentic about her mm-hmm. as an actress. But, like, she kind of has sort of a gentle spirit, too. There's just something <clears throat> I really like about her. Thanks. I just wanted to say that. I think she's great. I think she did a good job here. Thanks. All right. Well, um, so, obviously, we recommend this movie. Yeah. I think highly. I think it's probably going to um, be a little... I think it'll. I think it'll keep making money. I think it's going to be a word of mouth hit. I think so. Yeah, I, I don't think right. you leave this forgetting it. You leave it remembering. I've seen an awful of lot of things that happen. Yeah, and I've seen an awful lot of good reviews on on Facebook and and elsewhere out there. So, um, well, Francesca. Well, thank yeah. you for joining me for another podcast. It was and, my pleasure. Uh, we should also thank our silent partner <laughs> today. Our silent partner. Oh, you're the cat that you're holding right now. On Mr. Coco, the kitten. The new Ooh, cat, the official blessedly film nerd's cat. Is that right? No. Oh, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of cats. I don't know. You, that's fighting words. Corey, Corey Kraft <laughs> could get upset with me if I said that, if I that's made right. that kind of declaration. That's right. But we, we're, I just meant we should thank him for being a silent partner. Yeah, for He's a very cooperating. Vocal, vocal cat, and he fell asleep instead of talking through <laughs> the whole thing. Well, it's the summer movie season now, and even though our, you know, our life condition has not changed that much, I think I'd like to think we're going to at least hit these people up once a month or so here, if not more so. Well, it could be more so if Rave Motion Pictures, the future now showing, decided to underwrite our podcast and uh, perhaps throw some comps our way. You can dream, Francesca. Oh, I dream, sir, because it's yeah. like a dream every time I go into a Rave Motion Picture <laughs> cinema. This is your planned shameless... No, it's not shameless. ...ploy for endorsement. To be fair, we do only go to raves because we love them. No, we love the uh, the rave motion picture Experience. theaters here in Birmingham. That, um, I mean, I, I would say, I would say that it would be, it would, it would take a lot to get us to go to a theater other than a rave. If it's not showing Birmingham. a rave, I don't want to go. <laughs> Fact. Stadium seating. No, listen, don't get picky because we might have somebody else maybe want to, like, oh, give us true. free tickets. So. I don't know if I'd go, Matt. They have the <laughs> popcorn salt on a chain but available, yeah. which I appreciate. A manager was taking our tickets today, and she thoughtfully reminded us to silence our cell phones. Thank you, lady. I will. Don't I'm mind not. if I do. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you continue this off the air, but, yeah, we're... Uh, when in Birmingham, Film Nerds recommends that you see your films at Rave Motion Pictures. Don't say that yet. They haven't given us any tickets. Yeah, well, maybe we recommend that. I don't know. I don't know if uh, we'll pay the Right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Francesca. And, um, You're welcome. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. And we will hopefully see you again soon with a 
or we will talk to you one way again soon with another episode of Cinematrimony. Thanks for joining us. Bye.